spirit and in truth. Glory to the faithful one, Jesus Christ, God's Son. All creation gives you praise. You alone are truly great. You alone are God who reigns. For eternity. Yeah, yeah. God is great and His praise fills the earth. Heavens and your name will be praised all the world. God is great, sing his praise on the earth, all the heavens, cause we're living for the glory of your name. The glory of your name.
welcome to New Spring. Thanks so much for making it out this week. And if you're watching online, thanks for tuning in. My name's Christina, and I work with Kids World here at New Spring, and I'm just here to welcome you and to kind of tell you what to expect over the next hour. But before I do that, if it's your first time here, we're so glad you're here, and we would love to hear from you. You can fill out a Talk to Us card you can find in the back of the seat in front of you with whatever information you feel comfortable, and you can put it in the offering bucket as it passes by, or you can take it to guest services. There's one in the front foyer, as well as a small one back by the coffee shop, and they have a special gift they'd like to give you with a little something sweet inside, just to say thanks for coming. Well, like I said, our service is about an hour long, so the band will continue to lead us in worship, and then we're going to hear a message from God's Word. We're kicking off a brand new series this weekend called, If I Should Die. All right, I'm going to go ahead and hand back over to the band. Let's continue to worship together.
Lord, we come to you today and we just, we thank you for the humbling reminder of this last song, Lord, and how we're just completely empty vessels roaming this earth without you. We're just simply nothing. Lord, we thank you so much for making us your children, Lord, so that our life has purpose, has meaning. Lord, and so that when that day comes, Lord, when we say goodbye to these bodies, that we can just see you face to face and say thank you for giving me eternal life. Lord, I pray to be with Jonathan, Lord, as he speaks about that topic, Lord, of just what happens when we leave these vessels. Lord, I thank you so much for New Spring Church and what it's meant to Wichita, Kansas. Be with each and every one of us today. I pray this in your most precious name. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You guys can be seated. Will you thank Luis and the team with me for a great job leading us in worship this morning? Well, hey, it's very good to see you this morning. We're kicking off a brand new series called If I Should Die. I can't wait to get started with that this morning. We're going to be talking about the reason why you should never freak out about dying. And I hope it'll be encouraging to you this morning. Uh, and also, I wanted to say a quick word. Uh, it's probably very likely that somewhere in this room are some folks who are with us for the very first time this week because perhaps you took a tour with us last week at Judgment House or the week before that. And as always, we just want to say a special welcome to you. Thanks for being a part of our weekend, and we hope it'll be a blessing to you. At this point in time, I want to invite those who are prepared to take the offering. If y'all will go ahead and come forward and do that at this time. And then direct your attention, if you would, to the screens. And we've got several announcements we'd like to share with you, and then I'll be back in just a moment. In just a moment, we'll hear a message from God's Word, so please put your cell phones on silent. Also, if you have a child in the room that begins to make noise, please step out into the foyer so others can concentrate on the message without any distractions. Life at New Spring is an hour-long get-together for anyone who's new to New Spring or just has questions. Questions like, how do I volunteer? Or how can I become a member? Join us on November 8th for the dinner session or November 9th for the brunch session. Both presentations are identical, so you can choose the one that best fits your schedule. Registration is required, so sign up at newspring.org slash life at newspring. Baby dedication celebration is a time for parents and family members to recognize the importance of intentionally raising children from the youngest age to know God. The celebration will be held Sunday, December 7th at 3 p.m. and is open to families with children under the age of two. Register online at newspring.org slash babydedication to receive your information packet. We've had an amazing time presenting Judgment House. Thousands have taken the tour over the past two weeks and hundreds have made life-changing decisions. There's still time for you to invite a friend who needs to hear God's amazing message of love through this unique drama. Judgment House is open this Sunday from 3 to 9 p.m. Reservations are sold out, but walk-ins are always welcome.
at New Spring. It takes almost 800 volunteers to make the weekend happen, and our needs are as diverse as the people who attend. That's why we want you to partner with us by committing to worship one, serve one. Here's how it works. New Springers are served by others when they worship in one service each weekend. Then they serve others by volunteering for a service as well. This could be volunteering in Kids World, our tech ministry, First Impressions, or any of our other ministries. We want to find the right fit for your schedule and your personality. So if you're ready to join our team, let us know by indicating your interest on the Talk to Us card or find out more online at newspring.org volunteer. It's so hard to hear about people dying. Honest truth, I don't like thinking about it. But someday, I know it's gonna be my turn. I have so many questions. Is there a heaven? Do I deserve to go there? Would I like it? Is it real? If I make it, will I just instantly appear there? I wish that somebody would just tell me these things now. Well, good morning again. A couple years ago, my wife and I kind of realized that we were starting to travel more and, and sometimes even travel together. A lot of times I travel by myself, but every once in a while we would take a trip together and we would be on the same airplane or on, on a long car ride. And Wendy made the observation that it was probably time for us to get a life insurance policy on each of us because after all, we have two little ones at home. And if you know something were to happen to us in a trip, then it would be necessary for there to be an insurance policy. And so... Um, Wendy said, we really should do that. And, and I said, okay, kind of reluctantly. And I kind of researched, try to find out what's all involved in, in, in getting an insurance policy. And I got to where I dreaded that for months. I mean, really, until it all kind of got finalized, there was a lot of dread in my spirit. You say, well, Jonathan, were you not looking forward to sitting down and talking with an agent about, you know, the eventuality of your death and how everything would go. No, that didn't bother me. You say, well, Jonathan, were you worried about a monthly payment? Well, I don't like it, but it didn't, that wasn't what I was dreading. I found out you have to have a physical <laughs> to get an insurance policy, right? I don't know if I'm the only guy in the room who's like this, but I do not like to get physicals. And then be, beyond that, I found out you have to have a blood test, which for the average person I get is not a big deal, right? Um, but for a person like me, see, I'm, I'm as needle phobic as they come, man. I'm, I, I, I don't do well at all with needles. When, when the subject comes up, I turn all ashen and gray, right? And start to kind of float from side to side. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm on the ground, you know, that's why anytime they have to do a blood draw at my doctor's office, they always lay me out on a gurney, right? Because there is no nurse in the world who wants to catch a six foot two inch guy as he's plopping over like a sack of potatoes, right? So seriously, I did. I dreaded it all that time. Finally, they, you know, we did the blood test. We did the physical. All the results came back good for me and Wendy. Thank the Lord. That was a good thing to hear. And uh, we went into the, to the insurance agency and, and sat down with the lady. And, and uh, she said, well, now, now you've been through the easy part. Now for the hard part. And I said, no, you've got that all wrong. Man, the blood test was the hard part. This is the easy part. And uh, she kind of looked at me a little perplexed. And then she started kind of going through everything. A really sweet lady. I, I'm very thankful for our insurance agent. She went through and gave us a lot of good information, kind of walked us through the process. But she kept apologizing. The whole time she kept saying stuff like, 
gosh, I, I, hate, I hate to ask this, but if you were to die, then blah, 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 blah. Or she'd say, you know, I know it's kind of, you know, a difficult topic to broach, but say this happened to you. And, and, I, and I finally just interrupted her and I said, I, th I think you're a lot more worried about this than I am because I'm really not worried about talking about my death. I'm pretty resigned to the fact it's going to happen, right? Unless Jesus Christ comes back first, which I would be all for, amen, right? Are you with me on that one? Um, unless Jesus Christ comes back first, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to die. And I get that statistically, given that one out of every one dies, <laughs> right? So given the statistical background that I now feel quite sure of, I said, you don't have to apologize. You don't have to say I'm sorry to ask about what you know, what's going to happen if I die. I said, just go on and, and ask me about it. I said, if you want to apologize for something, apologize for the blood test, you know. But don't, you know, don't apologize about this. And she said, well, you know, some people are pretty kind of uptight about having this kind of a conversation. But the truth is, I can, I can kind of understand why. And there's a couple reasons. I mean, one is legitimate, right? Because while I'm not worried about my death and I don't mind talking about it, I don't love the idea of going through the process of dying, right? I mean, anybody who tells you they're not afraid of dying, right, is fibbing to you. I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid uh, I'm not looking forward to dying. And I kind of equivalent it to this. I was on a plane the other day. And uh, I was with a first-time flyer. Now, you can always spot a first-time flyer, right? Because when the, when the flight attendants come out and do their little song and dance about all the safety equipment, they go through the, the oxygen masks and the little, you know, you can use your seat cushion as flotation. My goodness, you know, and, and they're walking through the safety features of the planes. Here's the exits and so forth. All the rest of us who've flown a bunch of times, we figure we've heard this before. So our attention sort of splayed out all over the place. People are talking and getting out, you know, now you can use your phone. Everybody's got stuff on their phone, you know, but you can see the first time flyer because they are sitting there just locked into everything the flight attendant's saying. I mean, even when they show you how to use a seatbelt, and I'm figuring these people have to have ridden in a car at some point, but still they're paying attention to everything that the flight attendant says, right? And so after that was over, he said to me, he said, man, I hate that. I hate that. And I said, what do you hate? He said, I hate it when, when you're getting ready to do something that involves an element of risk. And the first thing you hear is all the things that could go wrong. I hate that. And I said, yeah, I, I can see that. And he said, well, you don't look bothered at all. I said, well, I, I love to fly. I'd fly every day if I could. And he said, well, then you must not be afraid of heights like I am. And I said, no, 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 back up the train. I hate heights. So I cannot stand heights. Anytime I, when I, when it's Christmas time and I go put the Christmas lights on our house, I'm scooching around on my rear end up there on the roof because I cannot, I cannot stand. It's too much for me. I'm worried I'm going to fall. So, you know, so I'm, I said, no, I'm very afraid of heights. He said, well, then how can you get on an airplane if you're afraid of heights? I said, well, now that I think about it, <laughs> I guess I'm afraid of falling from heights, not necessarily heights. And so I guess I've always figured if I fell from an airplane, I wouldn't remember it, you know? <laughs> so, but seriously, that's kind of the way it is. I'm, I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling from heights and I'm not afraid of death. I'm not looking forward to the process of dying. So that's part of it. That's part of why sometimes we get a little uptight about the topic. But the other reason is just that there is a lot of really, really weird ideas floating out there around, uh, floating around out there about what happens to a person after they die. You know, I mean, I remember, and I, I, I told this story a few months ago, and a pastor ought never to tell the same story twice in the same year, but I'm going to tell it anyway. The, um, 
when I was at my last church, First Baptist Church of Edmond, Oklahoma, was where I served before I came here. And uh, I, a pastor was preaching a funeral. I was assisting, and it was a, a, an older gentleman uh, who, who was a fantastic individual, li- lived a great life. In his last days, he was in hospice. Now, at the funeral, there was an open mic time, which is always interesting, right? So anybody can get up and say anything they want about the person who's past, right? And so sometimes that can, you know, we were, we were there for a while, but that's, that's a whole other deal. But anyhow, so there were several people who got up and they talked about the person who had passed away and, they, and, and said really wonderful things about him. And then the hospice nurse was the last one. She was the last person who got up and spoke. And she said so many nice things about him and her remarks were so nicely polished. And I thought, wow, she really had a lot of great things to say. And she said, you know, he was a wonderful man. It was gracious, a fantastic person to be around. And then she said, and now he's a butterfly. Really? You were doing so well, you know? But seriously, there's stuff out there like that, you know? Or, or people say, well, when you, when you die, you become an angel, right? Even though there's nothing in the Bible that says that. When you die, you become an angel. Or, or how about this one? If you've been in a college classroom and, and you've gotten the, the, the lectures from kind of the academic viewpoint, you would have heard that, hey, when you die, you just cease to be, right? The lights turn out. There is nothing. It's just darkness. It's just nothingness. Bam, you're done, right? So frankly, given the different thoughts that are circulating out there, it makes a lot of sense that a lot of people are freaked out about dying. I can understand that. But here's what I want to tell you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ from the Bible, I want you to know this morning, this is what we're going to do. I want you to know for sure that you are never, you should never freak out about dying because God's going to give us some incredible reasons in the scripture why we should know that we can live with full understanding that the moment that we leave this planet that we're going to go to be with God. But I'm going to give you some, some, some very simple thoughts, right? And, and, and by the way, I just want to say this as well. This series, If I Should Die, I, I am so excited for this series. My dad has kind of walked me through what the rest of the talks are going to be about. I'm just kicking it off. Dad's doing the rest of the talks. But you're not going to want to miss one, one week of this because we're going to be talking about such encouraging and hopeful truth that um, it's going to get you, uh, the, you know, when it turns into the winter months and things start getting a little darker, I, uh, I, you know, I start looking for places where I can get hope. Uh, and, and, and this is one of those series that you're just going to leave every week feeling energized by. So I, I, I'm going to tell you this isn't one you're not going to want to miss. But, but in just in laying the groundwork here this week, I just want to give you a few reasons why you should never freak out about dying, and we're going to be done. That's it for this week. Here's the first reason, okay? The first reason why you should not freak out about dying from the Bible is that you won't really die, right? First reason you shouldn't freak out about dying is the Bible says you won't really die. In John 11, we have the story of Jesus uh, and, and Mary and Martha and Lazarus. These are some characters that you see in other places as well in the Gospels. Now, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were friends of Jesus, and uh, they were siblings, right? Um, and and uh, so Jesus uh, was traveling and, and doing ministry, and the, the two sisters and their brother, um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, were in Bethany. Lazarus gets sick, right? Very, very sick. And uh, so the sisters call for Jesus, and they say, hey, your friend Lazarus is sick. You need to come back and heal him. After all, Jesus was all about healing people when he would go to different towns, so they figured surely he would come here and heal his friend Lazarus, if anybody, right? So they call for Jesus, but Jesus doesn't show up in time, and Lazarus dies. And they have the funeral, and they bury him. And then when Jesus does come to town, Martha has some words with him. Check this out in John 11, starting in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, now look at this, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now think about that. It's a strange dichotomy. The Bible says whoever lives believing in Jesus Christ will live even though they die. Now how is that possible? Well, in order to understand that remark, you have to understand that the Bible teaches that there is more to us than just this body that you can see, thank goodness, right? I mean, there is more to me than just the physical me. The Bible says that I am both a body, which is temporary, and a soul, which is permanent or which is eternal, right? So the thing about it is what, what God is trying to help us understand is that, yes, at some point, the body that I live in is going to die. As a matter of fact, it is already in the process of dying, right? I don't know if you've noticed in the five years I've been here, the hairline's receding a bit. Some of the parts of me have already gone on to glory, right? Um, so, I, so the body that I live in is in the process of dying, but the Bible says the soul that is on the inside of me, the spirit, the God-given spirit that I am, the eternal, is, is eternal. As a matter of fact, that part of me, you say, well, Jonathan, where's the line drawn? Well, here's the deal. The, the real me, the part of me that's going to live forever is the part of me that thinks, that feels, that makes decisions. That's the part of me that um, is, is logical, rational, and emotional. The, part, the, the Jonathan that my friends and family know and love is not my body, but it's the real me. And that part of me is going to go on living. That's what Jesus said. That part of you is going to live even though your body dies. And then he says, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And we're going to come back to that in just a minute. But now there's importance here in terms of the story, too. The story's going to teach us something about this as well. Because several verses later, Jesus goes to the tomb where Lazarus is buried. This is in verse 43. Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, and his face wrapped in a headcloth. And then Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. See, the real Lazarus was still alive. If not, Jesus could not have called him back from the dead. Lazarus continued to be Lazarus. He just, he just continued on living, even though his body was dead. So when Jesus called him, Jesus just reunited his spirit with his body for a while, right? Which, by the way, this is just the randomness you get from somebody like me who has ADD and can't think without having these little rabbit trails. But can you imagine what it would have been like for poor Lazarus? I mean, you know, we talk about people who have NDEs, near-death experiences, you know, and they see a hallway and a bright light and family and friends and so forth. But, but Lazarus had had a DE. He'd had a death experience, right? So he had gone on to be with God, and Jesus called him back. And Jesus said, hey, everybody's pretty upset you're dead here. I'm just going to call you back for a while. Poor Lazarus had to come back for a while. Can you imagine? You know, Lazarus thought he was done and he had to come back again. By the way, Jesus raised three people back to life during his ministry. Each one of them, he called them. He said, Lazarus, come out. And pastors have quipped over the years that um, he had to say, he had to call Lazarus by name because if he hadn't called Lazarus by name, if he'd said, just come out, everybody who was buried in that tomb would have walked out, right? Because Jesus was that powerful. So it's interesting to me, you know, we talk about the real Lazarus still being alive, because that's not the going thought out there, right? I, my degree is in Christian psychology, and, and when, I was, when I was getting um, that training, I had to take a couple of courses um, away from uh, the Christian school that I attended, and so there were some secular psychology classes, which is always a trip. And um, 
one of the classes was on emotion and intellect, which I was very excited about because one of the things that I'm really big into is the psychology of emotion. So I couldn't wait to get to that and hear what they had to say. And the, the guy started off the lecture by saying, I need to dispel some myths in some of y'all's heads. Some of y'all think that you are more than just a body. But he said, it's important that we look at things purely from the, from the realm of the physical. And he said, so I'm going to give you a phrase to help you do that. And this was the phrase he gave us. He said, I want you to understand that the mind is what the brain does. I don't know if you heard that in school, but the, the phrase was the mind is what the brain does. And literally what that is supposed to mean is that everything that you feel, think, do, all boils down to a mass of tissue that you are, neurons firing, hormones, chemicals, all of that is, to, is, is, is able to explain away uh, every part of your human experience. And I got to be honest with you, I cannot imagine how difficult it would be for me to find a way to have faith that that was the truth. I mean, after all, that sort of viewpoint doesn't work in the greeting card section. Honestly, I went to the greeting card section a couple days ago, and, and just because I, I, I wanted to see what, I wanted to just kind of take a survey of the emotions that were written about in those cards. Do you know what was written about in those cards? Things like hope and love and connection and compassion and sympathy and things that far transcend just the physical aspect of our world. But to humor Mr. Psychology Professor that, that did that lecture, I thought what I would do, just for fun, is I would take a, 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 a card. I found a card that was like a, a, a love card, right? I, I intentionally found one with just one sentence. I didn't even bring it out here with me because I didn't want whoever wrote that card, that poor person, to see what I was getting ready to do to it. And I rewrote that sentence at, to fit with the mind is what the brain does mentality, okay? So ladies, this is supposed to be a card from a guy to a, to a lady, so you tell me whether you think this would work for you or not. So I've rewritten it, here it is, it's just one sentence. Neurochemically and hormonally speaking, <laughs> I find you more attractive than most women at this time. <laughs> what do you think, ladies? No, because intuitively, deep down in our soul, we know that we are more than a body. And even when we're trying to express our sentiments or our emotions to other human beings, we're trying to connect with that part of them. We want for that, you know, the spirit within me, I want, I want the emotions that I'm feeling and what I'm thinking to be, to, to, for them, that part of them to relate to where I'm coming from. So we get that there is more than just a body. It's just that if, you, if God is not a, use, a useful hypothesis and you've already taken him off the table, then you have to explain us in terms of the physical nature, but I'm certainly thankful that because I do believe in God, I don't have to go down that really, really weird road, right? Okay, so that being the case, and if, if we are more than just a body, which the Bible says we are, then death is not really the end, which by the way, I, I don't really have time to go here, but I do want to read you one other verse because I think this verse um, is, is special in that it tells us about the value of human life. Check this out in Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. At this point, do we have a body, yes or no? Yes, the, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. Now we have a physical structure. Now we have a body. But check this out. Then he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. What does it take to take a physical structure and turn it into an eternal soul? It takes the breath of God, right? You have God, God breathes life into you, and that life does not end just because your body quits functioning, right? So that's why we say death is not really the end, which is important to know because when you go to a funeral, sometimes it feels that way. 
right? Some, especially depending on what kind of funeral it is. It, it can feel very dark and very sad, and it can feel like, well, this is the end of something. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your funeral will not be the end of you. It will be the, the, it will be the celebration of a junction point between the temporary you, which is no more, and the eternal you that is now with Jesus Christ. It's just a junction point. So then check this out. We're going back to John chapter 11. Back to the verse we were just looking at. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now, this is something we've talked about before here at New Spring, but I'm going to mention it again. Uh, if you are a, a mathematician or you, you do mathematics, you know that if we want to take a, a, a number and just run it off into infinity, like there's a, a, a three after a decimal point that just keeps on going, we, we put a little line over the top of it, right? And that just indicates that that number goes off into infinity. Well, in the Greek language, there's a way of doing this with a, with a word. It, it's, it's basically a verb tense or, uh, that, that says, okay, this is happening now. It's, it's, it's going to happen in the future, and then it's never going to stop happening, right? So here we have that in the negative. So basically, the scripture says, and whoever lives by believing in me will never, 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 off into infinity die. I mean, that's huge. That means if you believe in Jesus Christ you will never experience death. Now, you will experience the death of your body, and then when you get to heaven, somebody will have to tell you you died. Right? Somebody will have to say, did you know they're having your funeral down there? Did you know that you, that, that, that you died? Because you'll wake up alive with Jesus Christ, more alive than you've ever been in this world, ever, ever, ever. But Jesus says you will never die. And then check this out. I love this. 2 Corinthians 4.16. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, though our bodies are dying, we talked about that a moment ago, that, that we're aging, and so our bodies are a temporary vessel that eventually wear out. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits, our soul, the permanent, eternal part of us, is being renewed every day. Now, I just threw this verse in for good measure, because what this verse tells us, and I'm, I just want to extrapolate this out to you personally, this verse says, you are not aging, right? Which might be welcome news, right? You're not your body may be aging, but your spirit is getting younger every day, right? And some of you, that was the light bulb moment for you because you thought, you know, I, I already felt that way. I already felt like the real me was getting younger. I, I've, I felt like I've continually been renewed on the inside, but I know that the body that I live in is aging. Well, that's good news. The Bible just explained it to you. So now when you go to your doctor's appointment, right, and your doctor says something like, you know, mine said to me, when he said, well, you're just getting older, sport. I hate it when... when when all of a sudden now you're old enough to get a nickname, sport, you know, you're getting older, sport, right? But, but when your doctor says to you, well, you're aging, you just look back at him and say, no, I'm not. I'm not aging because the real me is getting younger every day. All right, I'm moving on. Okay, so the Bible says, by the way, that when you get to heaven, you will still be you, right? Your identity will not change. Every once in a while, somebody says, well, my grandma died. Now she's an angel. No, your grandma's not an angel. Your grandma's your grandma. She's still the same person she was before, just minus the flaws and failings and those sorts of things that held her back in life from achieving her full potential. She's still, though, the same person. Just like when I die, I'm going to be Jonathan Hoover minus the sin nature. I'm going to be the Jonathan that God originally designed me to be without the broken sin nature that is within me, right? That's what I'm so excited about. I'll actually get to figure out what I'm capable of because right now the things that, are, that I do wrong, the sin nature that's in my life is keeping me back from experiencing what I'm fully capable of. When I get to heaven, I'm going to actually get to figure out what it is that through God's grace I'm capable of. So when you die, you're not going to turn into a squirrel or a breeze or a mailbox. You're going to be who you are, right? 
You say, well, Jonathan, is there, how can you be sure about that? Well, there's several passages I could use, but let me take you for a moment to Luke chapter 9, where the Bible says about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain to pray. And when he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, who are at this time dead, yes or no? Yes, Moses and Elijah are both dead at this time. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem, right? If Elijah and Moses ceased being who they were when they died, how can they show up and have a conversation with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? The answer is simple. They were there because they continued to be who they were. They were just upgraded. The Bible says they were glorious to see, which I'm very much looking forward to. I mean, I know my wife thinks I'm attractive, but she never said I was glorious to see, right? So I'm figuring this is at least one bump up the ladder, right? Moses and Elijah, still who they are. Why? Because that's the way God works. When God assigns an identity, that identity stays with the person. So even, but see, the thing about it is, you, the person that I am has always, and I said this a moment ago, but I want to make sure I'm making this clear. The person that I am has always been held back by the things I do wrong. It's always been held back by the fact that I'm living in a broken world. It's always been held back by a sin nature that I have living inside of me. So I'm just telling you, I actually only get a glimpse of my real identity on this earth. When I get to heaven and I'm not messed up by all those things, I'm going to get to really figure out who I am in Jesus Christ, right, which I'm very excited about. So 2 Corinthians 5.1 extrapolates this for us even more, and the Bible says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands, okay? Back in, I want to say it was either 96 or 97. I'm, I feel certain I'm getting the date wrong. But we had a groundbreaking service for this building, right? Uh, and, and, and at the time, our, our, our campus was over on the south side of Wichita. There was nothing on this land. It was just fields. And there were plans drawn up and plans to do this building. But at the time, not a whole lot had yet been done other than a little site work. And uh, so we had a tent, a big yellow tent that was literally right here. That, that we had a service in. Everybody came, nobody met at the old property that, that Sunday. We came and we met here and we had church and we had a groundbreaking ceremony, right? That was a temporary structure, right? It, it was only there for us to have that service. That was the purpose. And then after that service was over, we took all the equipment and the stuff back to the, to the other church building and we dismantled the tent. Why did we dismantle the tent? Because if we didn't take it down, this couldn't be here, right? You would have showed up today, it'd still be big old ugly yellow tent right here. But, but it had to come down so that we could have this permanent structure. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. At some point, the tent that you live in, which is just a temporary structure, is going to have to be dismantled so that the permanent structure that God had always planned can be put in place. So see, someday if you ever come to my funeral, and if for some reason I, you know, I were to pass, you're welcome to come to my funeral. If you did... I want you to know that what the, when you come by and you look at the casket right here and everybody's saying stuff like, oh, he looks so lifelike. By the way, you're welcome to just say, no, he doesn't. <laughs> he looks dead, <laughs> right? Because that's just my tent. That was a temporary thing. That was a temporary thing. So when you walk past that, you know, hey, that's, the real Jonathan's not in there. The real Jonathan is now in his permanent structure. He is now in his permanent building right? Because that's where I'll be. So one other thing I want to say, oh, by, by, by the way, man, I do not have time to cover this, but I'm going to do it anyway. When I was in college, right, 
uh, imagine this, if you will. We have a campus church. We have 6,000 students, uh, all of them in the same room for church service, and the preacher would get up and preach. So depending on how 17 to 24-year-olds react to whatever the message was about, you would have it in bulk, right? <laughs> Everybody's all talking about the same thing. So we'd have preachers get up and talk about the rapture or get, get up and talk about what happens to you the moment that you die, and guess what everybody's thinking, you know? 17 to 24-year-olds, well, man, I wonder if God's going to come back before I get married. You know, uh, I wonder if something's going to happen to me before I graduate college and everybody's just kind of biting their nails. I hope God doesn't come back first because I really wanted to get my degree. <laughs> and you think, well, well, it's almost like somehow we get the impression that heaven is a downgrade. But do you know why I think that happens? Because we've had so many people describe heaven in such foreign terms. As if when you get to heaven, you would have no frame of reference for anything. As if when you got to heaven, it would just be so out of the range of what you would expect it to be that you would just be totally uncomfortable and out of place. And so it's been this thought for, you know, a lot of those students that I remember going to school with, well, I don't even, you know, will, will I even... Will I even like being there? Will I be bored? I mean, what's going to happen when I get there? Can I just tell you, the Bible says you will have a frame of reference for what you see when you get to heaven. I want to read you a list. Like I said, I don't have time to, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to read you a list of things that are going to be in heaven, okay? This is just some of them. The Bible says in heaven there are going to be cities, rivers, gates, trees, fruit, animals, streams of water, dancing, crops, Mountains, nations, jewels, banquets, children, music. The list goes on. Any of those things sound familiar? Well, let me tell you, you're going to have a frame of reference for what you see in heaven. It's just going to be better than anything that you've ever experienced on earth. It will be familiar, but it will be familiar without the broken nature of this world. It will be familiar without all the things that we have to grieve on this planet, but it will be something you have a frame of reference for. And more than that, it will be home. It'll be home. Check this out. This verse is in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. We are confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we're fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. I don't know about you, but for me, home holds a special, a special feeling in my heart. I mean, when I've been traveling, I can't wait to get home. When I've had a long day at work, I can't wait to get in my car and drive home. Home is where my family is. Home, home has, a, has a, special, uh, a special feeling to me. It's kind of like that safe base, right? But the thing about it is, the Bible says that the home that I have here is just temporary. That there is, for me, waiting in heaven, a permanent home that I'm meant to be at, right? But it even gets better than that. Man, I don't know how it could get, but the Bible says it gets better than that. Check this out. John 14, verses 1 through 3. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, I would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, this is so cool. Think about this. The Bible's telling us that when you get to heaven, your home is going to be a part of God's home. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? What kind of home must God have? But the Bible says that when you get home, you're going to have a home that's part of God's home. I mean, I remember um, right before I went to college, I got an invitation to house sit for a guy in our church. And I remembered he, he was 
rather well-to-do, and I knew his house was just incredible. I mean, he had this huge, huge home. He had a game room and all these things that for me were just, I mean, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So I leapt at that chance. I jumped at that. I wanted to do that, and I remember house-sitting for this guy. But can you imagine, I mean, that for me, I think about how awesome must God's home be? And we're not just being invited to house-sit. God is saying that, I have a place for you. That's going to be where you are. When, when you die and leave this world, you're going to go to God's home, and that will be your home. That's pretty huge. And then he says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. The Bible says that, 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 God, that Jesus has went home to prepare a place for us. And they said, when everything is ready, I'll come and get you. Right? So here's, what I, here, here's the way I think about that. I remember when I was a, a, forgive all the personal stories, but I remember when I was a kid, my grandparents lived in Texas. They would come up to Wichita and visit and then go back. And um, so I remember them coming up one time, and, and, and they told me there was a treehouse in my grandpa's house, and he said I had to take down the treehouse because it kind of got rickety. And, I, and so I remember asking him, I said, when you go back to Fort Worth, will you rebuild the treehouse? And he said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that if you, if you really want me to. So I remember when, we, when they were getting ready to leave and go home, and I don't know how, how things are in your home, but when, when grandparents left in my home when I was a little kid, there was weeping and wailing and, and a big thing, right? Because you hate when grandma and grandpa leave. So I remember it was a big, you know, I was a little kid, I was crying because grandma and grandpa were leaving. And, and my grandpa said to me, Jonathan, I have to leave because I got to go rebuild that treehouse for you. Because he was trying to make me feel better about the fact that he was leaving. And if we're not careful... We could read this passage the same way. Well, Jesus is just saying, I gotta go prepare a place for you because he's getting ready to leave earth and he needs to make his disciples feel better about it, right? But that's not the way God operates. If Jesus says something, you can count on the fact that that is exactly what he means. So when Jesus says, I've gotta go back and prepare a place for you, that, that wasn't him just making anybody feel better. He's saying, I have to go back and prepare a place for you. And then check this out. He says, I will come get you when everything's ready. That's been a little less than 2,000 years ago that he said that. So you think about what what could God do in 2,000 years if he was able to put this planet together in six days? It's going to be home. It's going to be God's home. It's going to be better than anything we can imagine. Do you remember the last place, by the way, that God prepared for human beings before sin messed everything up? It was the Garden of Eden, right? What was the Garden of Eden like? Well, it was a beautiful place. I mean, we know that. It was a beautiful place with, with streams and trees and, and food and all that. We know there was love there because Jesus created the, the first couple and they had the first marriage, right? We know there was work. I mean, read the story. God assigned Adam to a task before sin ever entered the picture. You say, so Jonathan, are you saying you think there's going to be work in heaven? I wouldn't be a bit surprised. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. But here's the cool thing. The Bible says work didn't become a problem until there was sin. Work wasn't a hassle. It wasn't even difficult until there was sin. So how would you like to get to heaven, have God assign you to an important job, but it's no hassle and it's not difficult and it's easy for you to do? I'd be game for that. And then finally, there was God's tangible presence. God was there with Adam and Eve in a tangible way. I believe, and I can't, I can't be certain, but I believe that in many ways, heaven will be kind of, kind of like the Garden of Eden was, in that I believe there'll be a beautiful place. I believe there'll be love. I'm, I believe there'll be work, but I'm sure that there will be God's tangible presence because we have God's word on that. Here's the final thing, and we're going to be done for the morning. The final reason that you should never freak out about dying is because you'll only realize your full potential in life if you refuse to be bullied by the idea of death. You're only gonna achieve your full potential in life if you don't let the idea of death kick you around, right? 
I, I've, I've told a lot of stories in my time here at, um, at New Spring about Alan Day. Alan was my pastor at First Baptist Church of Edmond, first church I served. And I, I think one of the reasons why Alan has been an important friend to me over the years is because I think when you first start in the ministry, your mentors are very important to you. I know Dad had people in his life that were like that. And you know, when you first start in the ministry, you're just absorbing everything like a sponge. And so when people are willing to take time out of their life to teach you about the ministry, it's a huge deal. And that was the way it was with Alan for me. And uh, I've mentioned here before that about seven or eight months after I joined the staff here at New Spring, Alan was killed in a motorcycle accident. He was 60. Um, And so my thoughts went back to a, a time when I was talking to him, see, we had a television broadcast. I was in charge of the, of the TV broadcast at that time. And uh, he would come in on Mondays, and we would film the intro for the broadcast, and then the outro for the broadcast, and then I would edit it all together. So he was there to film an intro, and he had driven in on his motorcycle. He always did that on Mondays, even if it was like 40 degrees outside. He had a heated suit. He drove that motorcycle all the time, you know. So he came in. He was getting ready to film the intros. And there was something on my mind, because... We had just had a, a, a motorcycle accident in our riding ministry at the church at the time, and then um, a close family member of mine had been in a terrible motorcycle accident. And so I said, Pastor, aren't you worried something's going to happen to you on that bike? I mean, aren't you worried something bad could happen to you? And I remember he looked at me and he said, you know, Jonathan, I almost died 10 years ago. And I, and, and I remembered because 10 years previous, he'd had a terrible aneurysm in his brain and almost took his life and uh, he recovered from that. He said, you know, Jonathan, I woke up in the hospital after having that aneurysm and after, you know, being recovered enough to wake up. And he said, you know what I thought to myself? He said, I thought I was ready. He said, I wasn't ready to leave my family. And he's like, I certainly didn't want them to have to do without me. But he said, I woke up in that hospital and he said, I had a peace in my heart because I knew that even if God had taken me in that moment, I was totally ready to go. And he said, so I guess at this point in my life, I just figure every day I have is a gift. And he said, so I'm not going to let death bully me around. He said, now I'm going to be safe. You know, I mean, he rode with a helmet. He, 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 he explained that to me in detail. He said, I, I don't take unnecessary risks. He said, I try to be wise. I try to be cautious. But he's like, I'm also not going to spend every day of my life worried about what might happen to me. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to live life. And he said, besides, he said, I have, I have a mission to accomplish for God. And I won't be able to accomplish that mission if I'm worried about something happening to me. And then he, took, then he turned to me and he said something that I will never forget. And I remembered it when I walked into that, that visitation room at Matthew's funeral home and, and paid my, my last earthly respects to Alan, knowing that someday I would see him again in heaven. He looked at me with that huge grin on his face kind of poked me in the chest and said, you know, I think you're way more concerned about me dying than I am. And I thought, you know, that's, that, that is the way to live. The way to live is to look at every day as a gift, to say, I can't be bullied around by the idea of death. I need to live my life. I need to fulfill my purpose. I need to go out and do what God has for me to do. And along the way, if God calls me home, I'll just know, and everybody around me should know, that the temporary structure has given way to a permanent structure, and now I am with God, and I'm living in God's home. Some of y'all were at my grandpa's funeral. Uh, he went home to be with the, with the Lord last year, and, and um, he had pastored for 62 years. And so when we were going through um, getting ready for his, his funeral, my brother, my middle brother, went through a bunch of videotapes of my grandpa's preaching. And as you can imagine, 62 years in the pastorate, there were a whole lot of videotapes and cassette tapes and things of that nature. But my brother found a clip 
that was so huge and so awesome that we made it the, we made it the end of the funeral service. Um, but my grandpa got up on this stage, as a matter of fact, he was preaching and he said, you know, I want to invite y'all to my funeral, but I'm not going to be there. Because he said, I'm going to be with Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. I, two generations down the line, I'm telling you the same thing my grandpa said. I, I hope that I live a good long life. And so I hope my funeral doesn't come anytime soon. But if it does, y'all are all welcome to come, right? But when you're here, I want you to know that I'm not, if, if, if you come to my funeral, I am not here. I am with Jesus Christ. I'm with the one that I love. And I am fulfilling my destiny. And I'm experiencing what God has for me. And I want you to have that same confidence as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you love us and that you have a future for us and that our future in heaven is better than anything we could possibly imagine. Heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. If you're in this room and you say, Jonathan, I just heard you talking about heaven, but you know, honestly, I'm not for sure that that's where I'm going because I don't have a relationship with God, but I want what you were just talking about. I wanna live with confidence. I wanna know for sure that I'm going to heaven Here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that Jesus Christ has already done all the heavy lifting. He's already paid the price. He already died on the cross so that you could have a future in heaven. The only thing that remains is for you to reach out to God and say, yes, I accept your free gift. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna say the words to a very simple prayer that just calls out to God. You don't need to say this out loud. You can say this silently in your head because God is God. He knows what you're thinking. And it can be settled once and for all. Ready, here we go. Dear Jesus, Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died and rose again for me. I know I do wrong things. I know I can't get to heaven on my own. Today I accept your free gift of heaven and forgiveness. I believe in you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Okay, everybody look this way just for a moment. If you just prayed that prayer, you just made the biggest decision in your whole life. And we wanna get you started right in your new relationship with God. So if you'll take that talk to us card that you received when you came in, check the box that says, I prayed to receive Christ. Take it back to guest services. They have a packet they'd like to give you before you leave, okay? Thank you so much for being here. Next week, we continue on with If I Should Die.